you're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about albums that we think are unsung classics, and then you guys tell us if you're right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. Hi, Energy Mark. It's fucking pop music. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to the Unsung Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Fraser, and I'm joined by two men who spent the last week hunting Brexiteers. I'm your host, ER. <laughs> oh, boom. Uh, to my right is uh, Glasgow's backstop, Chris Cusack. <laughs> I gave that up. He's the way in and the way out. I've got a job now, Secretly. Right? Uh, to my left is an incredibly svelte and slightly sweaty David who has literally just gotten back from Luxembourg City uh, after jogging out there on behalf of uh, Scotland in general mm-hmm. to appeal to the European Court of Justice to find out if there's any way we can get out of this ruddy Brexit debacle. Somebody's got to do it. I decided to take the lead. Mm-hmm. Leadership has been lacking. I heard you did not bad. I heard you getting a mention on the news. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. on RT, obviously. But Not on RT, I know. They're not. It's not news. <laughs> Yeah, it's news-ish, um, <laughs> news-adjacent. <laughs> so yeah, exciting times here in Britain. <laughs> Let's talk about something that's just as exciting as this. Oh right, is this where we're going? We're being sarcastic already. I didn't say a thing. I mean, I, I can sense. I mean, like, right, like, there's a bit, there's a bit of an atmosphere tonight. So, like, <laughs> do, do you want to introduce? Can I? Well, no, can I, can I? Can I put something to you guys mm-hmm. that just on the happened? Yeah, I'm away to the gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm at a local art centre and I'm trying to get some editing done in our podcast because Mark's fingers have stopped working. Mm-hmm. And uh, Can't help it. I'm like, this lad walks in, dapper looking chap, maybe like mid-20s. Mm-hmm. He's got a walking stick. I'm like, oh, mate, take my seat. Mm-hmm. And he's That's like, oh, no, no, it's, it's all right. It's just, I don't actually need a walking stick. It's just, you know, bashing. An affectation. And I, I was like, it's an affectation. <laughs> and it's kind of like, what, is it parody? Or is it a tribute? <laughs> is this true? Yeah. <laughs> you met somebody that had a fake walking stick? Maybe it's like... Fashion stick? One of those gamer types, but like sort of slight goth, but like a dapper goth. There's a boy cuts about in a top hat that's the same. And he has like a little swing it round. It's a cane, I believe. All oh, right. As opposed to a walking stick, but it's definitely a walking stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, what, you, it's what a pensioner would use. Did you ask him where he parked his penny farthing? <laughs> well, it's, it was more like... I mean, I mean, if I was cutting about with an eye patch, or a neck brace, or a, wheel, <laughs> a, wheel, a wheelchair, yeah, a stucky on your arm. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, what, what like, happened? Mate. Nothing. I just thought it was on vogue. <laughs> you're at the top of the stairs in your wheelchair, and folk were like, "Oh, can I help you?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm alright. Yeah, I don't need that. I just, I'm just lazy. <laughs> it's part of my outfit." <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's incredible. Then I realised maybe I'm just being really intolerant. Maybe he identifies as a pensioner or. Identify as a war vet. I mean that that doesn't apparently that does not fly in the court, especially in Holland. So 
you cannot, you cannot change your you, cannot you can't change, change your age. age. Oh, the guy just because you identify as a younger person a, or older person. I guess what a Tinder guy identifies yeah. a younger person anyway. But, <laughs> Do you know um, what? I mean, he said he couldn't get laid on Tinder. Are you talking about uh, the guy with the cane or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, both. Uh, this, this, guy. this Dutch guy, but he was. He said if I was forty nine rather than sixty nine. He was 69. That's like uh, right 69. in there. Reference. <laughs> like, that's the sex age. It's <laughs> a Bill and Ted age. You just go, hey, how old am I? And they'll go, 69. And you go, yes, yes please. please. <laughs> it fucking writes itself. But then if somebody says I, if somebody says I, you need to clarify it with my hips don't quite work the way they used to. And then it could be like a whole thing. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, Who knows? Just think about the practicalities of that. But there you go. That's, there you go. Uh, just anyway, co- talking co- about co- old men. <laughs> talking about old men. Uh, talking okay. about people that pretend they're younger than they are. You uh-huh. mean David? Oh, Carly right. Jepsen. Now, uh, the reason I'm not being sarcastic, I just think that a lot of most people find out what record we're doing this week. You know, they'll have heard at the end of the last episode. I think we might actually on Friday afternoon hear the groan quite audibly from like the entire <laughs> population who listen to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's it'll be like, it'll be like a, it'll be like one of those. It'll be like a Richter scale movement. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what you get for the sound of you cool alt rockers out there. <laughs> Eyes open, rolling. Broaden your horizons. Open your minds to the the joy of pure pop perfection. Well, I think I have a grenade I'd like to drop in here. It's not that it's not that much different really aesthetically from LaRue, is it? <laughs> we'll I mean, it's just a lot better than LaRue. We'll, we'll touch on that. But I think my, my love of good pop music is very well attested to in this podcast. Mm. Especially given that I elected to put forward both Moby and LaRue. Moby was Moby was not a real choice. LaRue was Moby was very much a real choice. Very much voted down LaRue. But we're gonna to touch it on bad. That. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, so you've picked uh, this so record. I have picked Carly Ray Jepsen Emotion. Well, I, I picked that e- originally. Emo, emo shit on. I think we could maybe discuss during the podcast if we instead put forward side B because the more I've been listening it's to EP, it, side B, I know, but it's a record. Mm. We're talking about record, you know. I think you can put it's eight tracks: emotion and emotion side B for the purposes of this. Yeah, it's worth talking about them both. Yeah, if you add in a deluxe edition, then that's that's us putting a record with twenty songs on it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah, uh, which is interesting. That's all right. I downloaded yeah. her entire back catalogue, including her stellar appearances alongside people with names like Lil Yachty. <laughs> I was wondering why <laughs> you looked so weathered today. Y a c h t y, Lil Yachty. When they were fucking passing out the names for like rappers and hip hoppers and fucking R and B singers, and they were like, "Mate, that's all that's left." I'm really sorry, Lil Yachty. <laughs> Lil Yachty. The song's as good as the name. Do you like Lil Yachty? I don't think I've listened to much Lil Yachty. I'm more of a... Lil Peep? Lil Pump guy. Lil Pump. Lil Mm. Peep was a bit emo for me. This reminds me of... Heavy. On the LP episode. What's that one about the guy with the funny balls? Aye, that guy, Yak Balls. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sí. That's good. That's good. These these are real names of real. Yeah, but those are guys that are older than us. These guys that we're talking about at the moment are younger than us. <laughs> real grown up adult artists called Yak Balls and Lil Yachty. Anyway, Dave, get started in this. Carly Rae Jepsen, who is she? Why is she? So Carly Rae Jepsen is a Canadian woman. That's uh, cool. She's a pop. woman, to be she's clear. A, woman. She's, she's uh, 33 now. Same age as Mark. Yeah. It's been a good episode, guys, uh, next week. <laughs> it was Mark's uh, birthday last week, as you <laughs> might have been aware of. Uh, we got him really drunk, and he's still a little bit hungover. Yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> played, she played so much Carly Jepsen, it was fucking unprecedented. So Carly Rae Jepsen, uh, when was the first time you guys heard of Carly Rae Jepsen? When she finished third in 2007, Canadian My Idol. My arse, you were not an early adopter <laughs> of Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, but she did, she finished third in uh, Canadian, so she was she was your usual um, high school performance, musical theatre sort of teenager. I love those, uh, they're and always her, really, really nice people. And then her drama teacher told her to go into uh, Canadian Idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, which she got all the way to the final and came third. A little quote here, which maybe she was. Is that a rapper? Little quote, <laughs> little quote, yeah, supported her. Uh, <laughs> that shows a sort of self awareness. And intelligence that a lot of shitty other poppers don't have. She said it was like all the exposure without the devilish contract at the end coming third. You know, because I think if we look at X Factor and what was the other one? Pop Idol finalists. Quite often the winner is awful and gets signed to that contract. Who who have won X Factor? Well young people. I think it's been like thirteen series, man. Well young. Well young was alright. Better than Gareth Gates. I hope you leave that uh, silence in there. Anyway, in uncharted territory, your voice. <laughs> uh, so she recorded an album, uh, Tug of War, which uh, was crap. I feel like I'm having a brain hemorrhage. <laughs> which was uh, like a very simple sort of country tinged pop folk, record. Folk pop. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Very sorry. Which is astonishing. Teeny orientated. Given all the promise that she showed. Well, you know. And then, um, but I think most You people... know, she's, she's clearly tried to write that out of history as well, because a lot of articles, when she brought out Emotion, mm-hmm. uh, referred to it as her sophomore album, when oh, really? it's clearly not. Uh, and then... Like the Slipknot effect. Yeah. The mid feed repeat effect. mid feed Meet fate, respect. So, a lot of people. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, come on now, guys. This is serious. Uh, everybody heard of Carly Rae Jepsen when uh, "Call Me Maybe" came out. Yeah. Actually, didn't. <laughs> Did you, I mean, apart from it's the biggest selling uh, single of 2012. It's, I can't believe it's Stoggett's playing Stog play Radio 1. Dude. Did you say you can't I, believe that? I can't believe Stoggett's playing Radio yeah. 1. Are you being serious? Oh, no, but Radio 1 plays 
like, like current day new like, songs. Yeah, new stuff. It doesn't doesn't really play, play old play stuff. Songs that's from six years ago. <laughs> Jesus. No, that's true. That Radio One doesn't really play songs after. You should listen to it. A someday. month. <laughs> yeah, don't. It's not worth it. Uh, research, of course. Uh, the first time I heard about Carly Rae Jepsen was uh, when Noisy ran a decidedly self-aware article about how she was like this incredibly underrated and misunderstood sort of pop genius. Yep. She's not a songwriter. She's not. She's not fucking writing those songs. She's man. none of the things I said in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She writes some of the songs. No, she doesn't. She writes with her producers. No, she doesn't. But she's a pop star. Write she, a third. Yeah, I mean, I, write, I, write not, a word. Get a third. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disputing that she's. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a pop star, definitely. Yeah. I didn't come in here and say that she's the best songwriter of all time. No, I'm just saying that's an interesting that people that some. Oh yeah, yeah. Like she's not a genius. She's not a pop genius. Like that, you know, like, do you know what? The, we'll talk about the actual album itself and its um, merits, but like maybe the thing that drags it down is her because she's not enough of a person. That's, that's an interesting. <laughs> can you, can uh, you clarify that a little well, bit more? Well, no, we'll talk about it later. But you know, I think it's been it was mentioned when the album came out and it was actually getting sort of reviews in the sort of indie press. Uh, you know, the songs were very you know sort of acclaimed as really strong pop songs but it was her personality that wasn't really shining through and she appeared to be a bit a little bit bland the 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 branding of this as indie or uh, they they referred to uh, i think the, the phrase that i found that was pretty interesting and kind of useful was mindy yeah mainstream indie uh which sort of is a kind of useful catch-all for people like heim uh solange bit of robin like stuff like alt j in churches mm-hmm. it's like mainstream pop music that has courted indie credentials in some way or another to mm-hmm. further its sort of appeal or give it some kind of discernible edge or advantage over other stuff. But it seems very much like with Carly Rae Jepsen, her, her Mindy credentials were posthumous or at least posthumous in the sense of this album and that this album was a massive commercial flop. It sold 17,000 in the USA in its first week. Whereas the likes of Taylor Swift's 1989 so 1.3 million despite having two of the same songwriters involved in a lot of stuff so it was considered like a massive failure and the Mindy aspect of it seems to be partly down to the label kind of I don't know maybe salvaging the situation a bit by gaming the indie press and the other side of it a kind of really complicated self-affirmation process to do with like the kind of hipster kingmaker area of the music press i.e. Pitchfork Pitchfork and Noisy Stereo Gum people who seem to struggle with their identity or maybe their impotence in terms of their ability to turn a record into any kind of real commercial success but they certainly can dictate cool but unfortunately as most record labels know cool doesn't necessarily sell records Disney sells records and Carly Rae Jepsen is about as on the nose for Disney music as you can get terms of the production the writing the lyrics the 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 marketing the girl next door thing it's it's pure disney club and then when it when it doesn't work 
it seems that there is a sort of contract that kind of sprung up, this kind of ironic contract that comes from partly being wasted with your mates, partly guilty pleasures, partly, yeah, the occasional hook, but just like, oh, this one's been overlooked. This can be our thing. This can be our, our badge of proving that we have insight and a kind of esoteric grasp on some secret that makes us kind of exclusive. And there's no getting away from the fact that Jepsen has become like a mainstay of that hipster attitude towards pop music. In a Pepsi challenge of pop music, she is as bad as anybody I've ever heard. She's awful on every level. And I mean, like, <laughs> Katy Perry has some good songs. I think, like, Lady Gaga has some good songs, and I'm saying that completely sincerely. I've got 46 Carly Rae Jepsen songs, and two of them aren't terrible. That's as much as I can say about her. That's, uh... <laughs> That's definitely the, the patented Chris Q-Saxonism shining through. If we're being honest, and let, let's be honest about our identities here, I'm overly cynical, throwback, alt-rock, ultra-white guy. Ultra-white guy. Ultra-mark. <laughs> Wait a minute. See-through. Mark, <laughs> Mark, you're crassly gormless, will swallow anything with a punk label on it, and likes white guys that do hip-hop guy. Not just white guys do hip-hop. <laughs> Dave, I'm sorry, man, but you're very much hipster guy. And That's Carly Rae Jepsen is 100% targeted at your sense of, like, I've got an inside tack on something that's secretly brilliant, and it's really not. No, there's <laughs> secretly... There's no secrets about this. There's some fucking amazing tracks on it. I'd maybe argue to push my hipster credentials further. I believe that Side B is actually superior. Well, I will say that the two songs that aren't terrible by her are both on Emotion Side B. And so in that sense, it's definitely better than anything else she's done. <laughs> That's as high as that right, bar gets. We should talk about Carly a little bit in terms of Call Me Maybe was the track that sent her absolutely sort of stratospheric and from the album um, kiss yeah in 2012 but it feels like that album was built around that song uh in a rush they got a bunch of producers in um because that song just went totally fucking viral i think it was the esteemed justin bieber put out on his twitter and you know yeah he tweeted about it and there's a video of him and selena gomez mm -hmm. and somebody somebody called ashley tisdale fuck I is that i have no idea, no idea. Right, somebody on e-news or tmz but yeah, he tweeted about it and that. that but if you listen to traction. that album, Kiss, it is shit. Like, it truly is shit. That is a really, like, really dreadful Like, like that first song on it is just, so, it is so teeny bopper. It's like Disney. It's like, the production is awful. It's so grating. And I, you know, I remember it was my pal Claire, who you know well, who really got into Call Me Maybe first. She was like quick onto that because she, you know, she loves pop. Uh, and I, I remember just thinking, I don't, I don't really get it. I mean, I suppose now through that sort of trained dog, when I hear Call Me Maybe, it is a very good pop song. So, you know, I, I can enjoy it in that way. Um, but I, I, yeah, I didn't really understand Carly Rae Jepsen or give a fuck about her Bieber's on that album as well like mm -hmm. when they finally did it he appeared on a tune actually one of the only tunes that has any variation on the theme of the album
like I did like some data analysis and Carly Rae Jepsen because that's where Carly Rae Jepsen comes from she comes from data analysis from demographics and from algorithmically constructed pop music it's like what key what speed what such and such like for Kiss the BPMs of the songs are all between 120 and 130 minus two completely incidental exceptions including the last one which is like an acoustic ballad but it's like 120 128 120 124 126 127 124 128 everything's like four to the floor kick drum Like literally an exercise Like if you throw enough shit at the wall Something's bound to stick And like Dave says Call Me Maybe With his breakout tune Went crazy online They threw like fucking 15 copies of it In the extended version Onto the onto the album And just hoped something else Would somehow replicate the success Of this one fluke song And absolutely nothing did um, but The record did okay Like did pretty well but it, 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 I mean, she sold like 20 million albums worldwide now, but it, 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 she's never had the success album the way she's had the success single. Like even even her, her manager said that. And with emotion, they were determined it was going to be this, the, the hit album as opposed to just this standalone hit single of the first one. By the way, I did notice that in interviews, she made a point of saying how influenced she was by Robin and LaRue. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. You can be influenced by somebody and improve upon it, by the way. <laughs> um, but it's it's really like it's a really graspy album. Like it really tries very very hard to do anything that follows up. Call me maybe, and it it doesn't. It fucking does. You kick in with. Uh, I'm talking about talking Kiss. About Kiss. Oh, Kiss. All right. Okay. Fine. Sorry, I was about to get angry here. But yeah, that album. Yeah, that album just doesn't work. At all. Also, it's it's a th- it, one of the things about Kiss. Now, fuck it. Like I say, I listen to everything this girl's put out as far as I could find. Anyway. Like the, the constantly reiterated theme of this thing about oh we're just friends or I'm the girl you just call a friend, yeah that there's something like six or seven songs alone across just this in emotion that that is the central theme of the song. Bearing in mind that she was thirty years old when emotion came out, she was still singing lyrics that were clearly written at like a twelve year old level, deliberately so. Not that she's at a twelve year old level. She's obviously not. She she comes across really quite well, but her music is completely fabricated for that audience like I said you, it's not Stereo Gum that sells records it's Walmart that sells records and her music is made for Walmart that's that's fundamentally the only thing to it I for Kess is made for Walmart when you hear it but I think when she made Emotion there was a they did want to make an album they wanted to make an album because I think the easier thing to do and when you look at pop artists what they do it's a singles world it's been a singles world for the last 5-10 years the fact that they wanted to make an album that was good and get songs together showed that they weren't necessarily just going for the 100 million streams or whatever. They actually wanted to, you know, to make something. And you know, she said that before she was making the record. Uh, you know, she wanted to make an album. Well, the, before they made Emotion, she recorded and finished a full folk pop album, another one that the label scrapped 
Like so clearly Whatever contract it was She was talking about Not being tied into When she'd be finished Third in Canadian Idol It didn't really Turn out that way She ended up with A full record That she'd written Presumably had been involved In the writing of A lot like Tug of War That then got spiked And clearly when her management And the label Interceded and said Well look You can do this But you'll never be famous again You'll never get any money again It's just It's a flight of Ego As opposed to A business venture And she's either Had no choice Or she's agreed to that And she's signed on To try and replicate Some giant pop formula I mean there were 200 songs Recorded for this album And they whittled it down To this you talk about the comparison with LaRue it, it, it doesn't hold up at all Whatsoever LaRue was two people mm-hmm. It was two people writing pop music From a a self-aware But relatively naive and sincere perspective This album had 31 writers on it 59 producers uh, That's not including people like Max Martin Who recorded and wrote a whole bunch of stuff As part of that 200 that then got canned so I mean, this is a this is the definition of a committee written pop pop album. It is literally a committee. It's eighty odd people. Yeah, involved I'm in this absolutely. One the the thing is, we're coming at this from very different angles here. But I know, but I'm saying it's like apples and oranges compared to Larue. First of all, it's not better. That's, that's it's a, better than Larue. That's a subjective thing. It's absolutely not better. It is better. Than There's Larue. not a song on this that's even close to either of the big <laughs> singles off of that. But, uh, no, Run Away with Me is far better than anything <laughs> Larue did. And the, the point is, LaRue, LaRue and Ben did that album. Uh, like Carly Rae Jepsen has nothing to do with any of this album other than her name being on it. This she, is Mark. Yes. You were going to say something? I was not going to say something. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I have nothing. They've <laughs> just nothing. watched you to say something. Uh, this is. Right. Yes, this is manufactured, right? And they put fuckloads of money in to putting this record together. It's manufactured it's like, and it failed. It. No, it didn't. It was a commercial failure. Complete. But. Critically very successful. Moderate, it is critically mod- moderately very successful. successful. Moderately successful. The mm. Guardian, for example, talked about how embarrassing it was that there was a 30 year old woman pretending to be 16 in the, the lyrical content. And that's not It's the got only. 77 on Metacritic. It was only, it was three stars in the Guardian. It wasn't slagged. You know, four but it stars. Was pretty, 7. pretty 4. slagged. The Huffington Post article talked about age confusion a 26 year old who dresses like a tweenie mm-hmm. uh, off the back of but what this is yes. right what you're missing through your cynical eyes <laughs> is that it's just fucking escapist pop but it's very poor at it's, that. but I mean that's where we're going to have to disagree because I don't think it is I but I mean the really world the world agrees no, Sale, they don't. Sales-wise, it does. Uh, the world agrees that LaRue's first album was excellent, and the world agrees that this is garbage. No, the world does not agree well, that. Well, Noisy doesn't, Dave, but Noisy aren't buying many copies. This is, this is the Manchester city of pop, right? It's put together, what? but it's done perfectly. And um, you might hate that it exists, but it does, and it's done well, really well. Like, and, and much like Manchester City, eventually it's going to go out of business, because yeah, it's writing checks. The football cash. that they are playing right now is the best football the, in the world. 80-odd... Writers on this How much do you think This album cost to make Yeah And how much do you think This album made I don't, I don't and care And how many hit singles They managed one I don't, I don't care They managed I just want to li- Like sometimes You just want to listen To a really fucking Good pop song This is not it <laughs> This truly is it 
side B actually has the better songs. But it, it, like between them, definitely has the better between, songs. Between them, this nails that 80s sound. It's got this sort of weird r- romantic nostalgia to it. It's naive. It's it's not naive in the slightest when you get 80 odd people writing it. No, but it fucking nails that. LaRue's naive. <laughs> but I'm, I'm making a good case. LaRue's naive because it's two people writing an album not knowing what was going to happen with it. This is the third album in somebody that almost... I won- do not... Hang on, this is the third album in somebody that almost won Canadian Idol. There's nothing naive about it when you get 80 plus industry writers and producers in to try and manufacture a hit. The word naive doesn't even vaguely apply to that. The imagery, the way she's sold is as a girl, a naive girl next door. And certainly she's not a particularly good pop artist. She's not a good singer by any measure. Most of the criticism in the the reviews for this album that were negative was about how poor her voice is. It's it's a very... her, Her voice is way more... Right. Excuse me. We should not be comparing this to LaRue because LaRue is some sort of... I didn't start that. Pop. I don't think I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> start. Uh, well, Mark did. Um, this should be compared to like the mainstream pop, the best-selling singles of 2015 that it, you know, it would have been going up against, right? Which is interesting you say that because you just exactly the same metric you used before LaRue when you're talking about it. It's like compared to everything else that came out this year and that spectrum of pop, this was better. Yeah, but it was written by two people actually writing it. I think this was written by the same people th- that. Hang on, this was written by the same people that wrote 1989. The same people that absolutely crashed and burned. I just think it's really interesting because in your mind, Larue is somehow a lot more. It makes a lot more sense as a an more artistic credible. achievement and credibility because it was written by two people as opposed to this record, which was written for a clearly a very, very different, like hugely different purpose, right? I, I like. I'll put my cards on the table. This record is wallpaper to me, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about it. I literally don't, right? Um, the songs are fine, I guess. It's got some nice sounds on it. She can sing. She's got some great songwriters who can do some nice smoking mirror tricks. This conversation's tiring because you're both talking about two completely different things. No, no but I'm trying to... Est- I'm, genuinely, I'm trying to establish like a ground level thing here. This album doesn't deserve any extra credit. This album had every single possible break going for it, including multi, multi million pound. But it's campaign. not about the. But no, but it's about that, the fact that it is good. No, but Mark's asking me why I'm making that point, and I'm saying the difference is Larue didn't have that. Larue was a success with none of those breaks. It was a success off its own merits. Now, if you then want to be just analysing the pure artistic content, yeah, that's compl- that's a totally subjective thing. This is really fucking poor. It's got two decent songs in it. That. Again, for me, is a distinction, but I understand that distinction is purely like down to taste. But the first distinction is not. This this album deserves absolutely no plaudits for its total under attain, underachievement because it had everything done to try and make it succeed, to try and force it to succeed. The anomaly with this is that there's this fetishistic hipster attitude that sprouted out of these various magazines, especially people to, with music taste listened to, to it and thought it was actually quite good to glorify. This, they didn't like, have to this artist that <laughs> fell short. Now, side B, I'll give you, is not, that's not applicable. But the actual Emotion album itself, that's totally applicable if you're being objective about it. Well, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Good argument, Dave. Um, No, like, so what I was going to say was you look at the pop that it should have been or would have been up against in 2015, right? And this is so much better and stands as an album, like... 1000 levels above it right so I've looked at the best selling singles of all songs in the UK in 2015 right so number one 
we have Uptown Funk by Mark Ronson uh, featuring Bruno Mars. That can fuck right off. That fucking song can just fuck off. It's like Prince didn't exist. Uh, number two is Cheerleader by Omi. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but it's just this fucking auto-tuned bullshit. That it's means nothing so to me. fucking childish. Awful. Right then, take me to the church by Hosier is number three. It's that fucking one of those shitty eggy voice advert <laughs> cunts. It's, it's like written for a mortgage advert. Uh, then four, Love Me Like You Do by Ellie Golding. which kind of has that similar Carly Rae Jepsen vibe, yep. but it's fucking serious and up its own arse and not good. It's just a, it's just uh, a different flavour of the same thing. That's it's all not it is. What Carly goes for is this mainstream pop, right, which is a completely different thing to near enough everything that we talk about, but it does it in a way that isn't fucking grating and bullshit and annoying. Because I... I literally went through the top 20 in 2015 and near enough every single one when I listened to it put me on an edge because I felt like I was in a fucking shit pub on mm. you know Union Street or something I mean th- this is I mean, this, this is the thing though man it's it's so but what there's you so have many out there... layers of self-awareness involved in this at the moment because this album is exactly that music and if this album it, had, it is this, not you think it is al- because you don't like pop music that's not well that's plainly, that's plainly not true like if this album had succeeded, she would quite happily have aligned with that area of the market. This album crashed and burned. And well, that's why the second, the only way to try and uh, salvage this album was to niche market it as Mindy. I mean, the, the fact that this album could ever have any indie credentials is absurd with 80 plus no, industry writers. But if, what it has is a lot of, like the the fact that it's gained this hipster following is because people that are listening to, you know, whatever it is that hipsters listen to are not enjoying this absolute mainstream shit, but there's something about this Carly Rae Jepsen album. You know, they, they get it because they read a review in Pitchfork and they go, what, why, why are they marketing it, that at me? But then they listen and they're like, fuck, that is actually good. Whereas <sighs> there's so much pop shit that if it was marketed at them, they would not get because it is shit. I, I would, I would raise you. I would take on board part of your point there, and I would, I would see you and raise you. The reason that this album has had that breath of ironic plaudits is because this is exactly the same pop shit. But people are like, oh, isn't it funny how arbitrary it is that some stuff makes it and some stuff doesn't? This one flopped, but we know about it. So the fact that it is on paper exactly as bad slash as good but definitely Slash is bad, as any of these other songs that made it, means it's really funny to muse on how fickle the industry is, that something that ticks all the same boxes 
can can die in its arse the way this album does. That's why people seized it in an ironic way. Not because it's better. It's no better than Katy Perry. It's definitely not any better than Katy Perry. It's better. It's a better album than Katy Perry has put out. <sighs> I'll bet you any money it's not. No, it's true. Last Katy I mean, Perry album. The entire I really world. liked. I really liked Bon Appetit, and that was a massive single. But that album was actually shit. The album was not good. Like, I, this album I don't is give not a fuck good. About irony. Or this whatever. album is horrendous. I mean, it really is. <laughs> it's horrendous. I'm not just being difficult, but I'm trying to give like a quali- a qualitative assessment of why I think there's a big head fuck behind this album and why it's a just a lame example of that weird, ironic fetishization that sometimes happens in like indie press. Not even indie press, but Pitchfork can hardly call it indie press now. But it's just this weird anomaly of that system of like we're tastemakers where we can arbitrarily agree that we're going to take something completely average and elevate it to a status it really doesn't deserve just so we're in on the joke. Hi, thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, may I just interrupt you to let you know that uh, before this uh, recording happened, uh, Mark put on his headphones, they smashed in his hand and cut his head open and he's been bleeding profusely all over Christopher's unbelievably white room, by the way. I've never noticed how white this living room is, Chris. Quite white. The, the studio, <laughs> i.e. Chris's living room. Your sofas are white, your carpet's white, the rug is then also white. All your furniture is white, your doors and your walls and your radiators and your ceiling and your coving is all white. It's because you actually died some weeks ago in this. Am I in heaven? Wow, this is incredible. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) we need to buy new headphones um, and we need to get health insurance for Mark because uh, the NHS is gone. Yeah, we don't have a health plan (laughs) on the unsung. Can somebody please call all the ambulances? Uh, But truly, um, any donations that you can commit to us are very much appreciated. Uh, thanks very much. And if you don't want to give us cash, then please share it on your Facebook or your Twitter. You can go to uh, unsungpod.net slash donate. They're all smiling at me because I got the, the website right. Well done, Dave. Well thanks. done. Thanks, lads. Uh, I'll let you go back to it and uh, Mark will need to tie you up. Your uh, head. Your head. Uh, tie you up. We don't need to tie you up. <laughs> I mean, bandage you up. I don't think the industry conditions upon which this album was made really should have any bearing in the discussion because the fact that we are sitting here talking about it means that and by some margin it succeeded. Right, there's hundreds of other records written every year by these same industrial amounts of people with songs that go fucking nowhere and artists that go nowhere. So obviously it succeeded in some degree, right? Because we're fucking sitting talking about it in the same breath as fucking Taylor Swift and LaRue. But the point is, how can you call it unsung when it literally, literally probably had eight figures spent on its production and marketing in terms of international publicity spent on it. So how can you possibly deign to say that that's unsung? It's maybe poorly received, but poorly received is a big distinction from unsung. This album was- had every break going. And the only reason that we're talking about it is this anomalous fucking second chance it got via a bunch of fucking stone guys at Noisy. I think using, I think using the... 
the argument How is it unsung Is not really going to work Because we've had this argument So many times About so many different records That it just the whole we, we understand at this point That the entire thing Is a bit arbitrary anyway Right Yeah but just because An album's shit Doesn't mean it's unsung uh, No I think unsung I mean that's Like you said That's subjective I think it's nothing <laughs> I think it's like water I th- And I think <laughs> That in 25 years It'll be classed as One of the great pop records Certainly of this decade I will pay your mortgage If that Of happens. this decade This'll be This is like Top 5 great pop records <laughs> Can I Can I ask you a question Oh my god That is a, that is a bluff and a half but no, it's fucking true Oh my god I have a question about that Right Uh huh Can you name a record That was created Under similar circumstances From the 90s Which we set about now Oh that's a Good question Or the would, 80s Would probably have to think about it But yeah there's probably like The 4th East 17 album Mark <laughs> Everyone knows that's the best so I think I, I think um, I see what you're trying to say But like Pop culture now moves so much faster That like I don't think It'll ever gain that kind of critical mass It's totally throwaway mm, I don't think it is There's no sense of permanence It can't even be compared to a Madonna album She's not even remotely close to that level of like cultural significance or anything. No, she's not because that's I think is maybe one of her downfalls is the fact that she has no personality. You know, I, I actually think she comes along. As, I think she comes across as quite a likable. Yeah, she seems person. lovely. She she's she crap, seems though. nice, but she doesn't have the you know the Lady Gaga or the Madonna charisma. Yeah, no, she's I mean, not got the she's not got the basically the Taylor Swift or the Beyonce kind of like yeah charisma is a good way of putting it. Yeah. But talent. She's not, not good, she's not I mean, a she's good a, singer. She is a good singer. She's not a good singer. She's, she can sing. I don't. I don't <laughs> know how her, you can her, say she's her a range bad is singer. incredibly weak compared to some other people we've had in this podcast. I don't think been able to sing. Nah, <laughs> and there's some, really and there's some when big hoops on this Internationally record. famous pop star. It's a big. It's a big deal. And again, that was a, a comment reiterated by so many different reviews, including the Guardian one. They were like, "Why is this girl famous with a voice like this? It doesn't make sense." I mean, people get famous for having worse voices. It's, I don't think that's much of an argument. <laughs> Ach, I mean, come on. Right, should we do, should we have a small break and uh, maybe mention some other people that can sing or not sing and do the nexus? Uh, oh, by the way, uh, I met Fritz this week, a bit of Fritz. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was like, I thought you were just going to use it once. <laughs> and I was no, no, like, that's it forever. I was like, mate, uh, that's the importance of a good contract up front like, <laughs> You sent us that file That file's getting fucking milked As long as I don't have to do the Nexus music <laughs> So until Fritz uh, bribes someone else to do it It's like The Ring <laughs> <laughs> Or It Follows You, you have to pass on yeah. this horrible uh, obligation So Fritz, if you can get someone else to do a song Then maybe that'll get you off the hook But until then you're stuck, mate so, should, should we hear it then? Yes it's the Unsung Podcast Dave Gromexus Need to find a way To connect the show to that guy For playing in Nirvana To hanging with Obama He knows lots of folk So stands to reason We'll find a way It's the Unsung Podcast Lovely stuff. Uh, Jepsen version of that. 
Mm, I'd love if that. If someone wants to do it, that'd be cool. Uh, Mark, is your Nexus as good as Dave's is going to be? Because I know Dave's been preening about <laughs> dead, <laughs> I think dead chuffed about this Nexus. I think mine's okay. Okay, uh, let's go for it's it. It's not entirely conventional. Uh-huh. So Carly Jepsen is... Canadian, <laughs> Canadian, <laughs> uh, and she's been on the TV well, pod, well, TV show of the podcast um, comedy Bang Bang, okay, which has had multiple comedians on it mm-hmm. um, over the years. The podcast, particularly, <laughs> she's um, a comedian. <laughs> you could argue she's that. wound you right up, hasn't she? Chris? Yeah, yeah. I, she's definitely a joke. Speaking of jokes on that podcast, there has also been Mister Brendan Small. Who you may know from things such as home movies. Mm-hmm. What's that? And home movies. For someone that likes Adult Swim, you should know. Like one of the first Adult Swims was like home movies. It's where H. John Benjamin got his, his, his kind of big break as a coach. It's really good. It's really good. You like it. You should watch it. Anyway, he's most well known for Metaloclips, mm-hmm. which is the TV show that he did quite a lot of. Yep. And on that TV show was Dave Grohl. Once. Oh. In one episode. He's done it. Was, was that a. A live action thing? Or? No, it was, a, it was a cartoon. That's what I thought. Yeah, uh-huh. So what was Dave Grohl as? He played, uh, they all got really made up names. I can't remember. But he, he plays it's a character. level of, the, yeah. I mean, I thought this would be quite important to the, the story. It doesn't matter, he was on the show. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> I didn't watch it, I didn't like it as a show, so, you know. Mm. All right. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen finished third in Canadian Idol and was spotted on the show and was offered... A deal after some demos came out by 604 Records, which is the record label owned by Chad Kroger. Ooh. And as everybody knows, Chad was Kroger the singer in was the singing Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave Grohl was in Nirvana. Dave? Well done. Uh, that was good, actually. Well done. Carly Rae Jepsen, after Call Me Maybe came out, uh, she sang on a song called Good Time with Owl City. Oh, watching it. I mean I will say I've got that one as Only well, the band that the Postal Service could have been <laughs> uh, And anyway I will City's fourth record The Midsummer Station Featured on track uh, four, Dementia A person called Mark Hoppus Who plays in a band called Blink-182 Or Blink-182 Blink one eight. Is it Blink one eighty two or Blink one eighty two? Have you not seen this thing? There's a or big. Blink there was a big thing, and somebody posted on Twitter about how some American comedians like, but if people call Blink one eighty two, Blink one eighty two, and not one eighty two, and I can't even understand this right now. And then Mark Coppus and Tom DeLonge both tweeted them saying it's actually Blink one hundred and eighty two, just like obviously <laughs> taking a piss, yeah. and it just became this big internet thing. Well, that is quite good. funny. I always said one eighty two, but you know who gives a fuck? Well, Tom DeLonge says it's, it's actually Blink eighteen two. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, Mark Hoppus recently produced the new album by Glasgow band Pause, the singer of which lives two streets away, I think. Um, Pause in 2014 famously were, uh, or infamously, had a gig cancelled uh, because they were sharing a concert venue with Morrissey, who's playing in the bigger room next door. And Morrissey said that Pause were too loud and he got their gig shut down. And uh, Paws were not allowed to play That's crazy Because Classic I've Morrissey. heard only good things About Morrissey Other than that It's yeah. incredible isn't it Because you know Morrissey is In He's general Such a, such such a, a lovely guy, guy. Yeah. Uh, Morrissey's worked with loads of guys Including uh, Mick Ronson Mick Ronson Who was in Dave Bowie's band Blah 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 And Mick Ronson At one point uh, Produced You're going to be very excited About who I've brought up again 
The Leather Nun <laughs> Once again Fucking hell man You know We're going to end up With a Leather Nun Nexus <laughs> Leather Nun Nexus Girls They are a gift A saint or a witch A nurser or a bitch They do are a gift So he produced uh, Nun Permanent uh, in 1991 uh, Hang on a second Hang on a second That's amazing Dave Because For Mark's birthday I was out seeing Mudhoney Before I met him And Mudhoney Encored With a cover of a song By Leather Nun Oh you fuck off really Seriously It's all coming back to me now Oh we're out. <laughs> It's we're crazy right It's like in the space of like, like A week now Like or like 10 days That's whatever. the triple That's, that's, that's mad that is There weird. is going to be a Leather Nun Nexus Maybe one week we should actually just do yeah. A leather nun nexus instead of Dave Grohl. Yeah. Next time we do a Foo Fighters <laughs> album. <laughs> <laughs> Next time they bring a good one out. Anyway, um, leather nuns bassist, our original bass player was called uh, Fredly Freddie Wadling, a Swedish singer <laughs> and actor, and he recorded some soundtracks with uh, Magna Furo Holman. Uh, Magna Furo Holman is uh, the keyboardist of Aha. Oh wow. You mean Aha? <laughs> Um, aha Aha I was reading Performed In front of 198,000 people At the uh, Rock in Rio 2 festival In 1991 uh, Which is Quite a lot of people Also on that bill In 1991 In Ro- Rock in Rio 2 Were uh, Guns N' Roses <laughs> I think they're all the people That were going to see uh, Threaten <laughs> <laughs> And uh, of course Guns N' Roses Did a performance Of Paradise City with Dave Grohl last year. That's a doubler. I used that, that. Yeah, two weeks ago. Oh, and also two days ago, Guns N' Roses have been rumored to have a new song on. Uh, they, they covered T Rex's "Children of the Evolution" for an upcoming tribute album. Apparently, it also features Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. That would actually. I mean, that's I think it's your. That's, that's a good way to avoid Nexus. doubler. I was going to yeah. say Duff McKagan is really good friends with Mud Honey. Drummer from Mudhoney played in Nirvana before Dave Grohl joined Nirvana, um, and he's actually on Incesticide. Duff McKagan sat on the flight next to Kurt Cobain as he was flying home to kill himself. Goodness! So there you go. Uh, we talk about Carly Rae Jepsen again. <laughs> actually, can we play? I know that was a good can next. We play some more Fritz. Yes, let's play it again. Well, I'm saying no. I'll see you guys next week. Um, you know, I, I think like something about like researching this though, like all the bobbing back and forward. And I, as I said, there's two songs in this that I, I don't mind. Well, do you know what? But can we go for side B? Can I at least put side B forward? Yeah, I mean, for the vote. I'll be honest. I just assumed that that's what we're going to because side end up doing. B is. Well, it is actually better. The, the only actual notes I wrote were on side B because by the time I'd actually started listening to it, I was like, there's no way Dave is going to fucking take a bullet for the actual album itself. It's the crud. actual album itself, I will admit, has a couple of total fillers on it. Um, <laughs> run away with me, <laughs> though. Fucking, that sucks. The master, there's fucking 80s the master emergent. of both over and understatement tonight. <laughs> it's so amazing. <laughs> run away with me is fucking great. Emotion is great. I really, really like you. That's a 
fucking earworm Excuse me, I really, 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 really like you. Yeah, fucking great. All that, the one with uh, Dev Hines, the one that she asked Dev Hines to be on it, and um, he was like, you're not just doing this for cool points, are you? Is that all that? Uh, yeah Is that the song That's basically The exact same drum kit That was used In Little Red Corvette I'm pretty sure We sampled entirely From that song Well <laughs> Dev Hines is a bit Of a, a Prince fan Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that's a sample. But that's a good, that's a, a really good track. Yeah, the second half of the record, I will admit, goes downhill. Um, so including uh, the song like, that was written by Haim. Indeed. Uh, yeah, uh, but side B. But hang on, hang on, hang on. Shall we talk on, about side on, B instead? I mean, we we will. I think it's just interesting in the course of that first album. Some of the, the lyrics. I know this isn't love, but I need to tell you something. I really, 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 really like you. Uh, the song "Give Me Love" had the word. Give me in it 77 times. Boy problems. I think I broke up with my boyfriend today, but I don't really care. I've got worse problems. I broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is an accusation that's been, lo- that's been launched a pop song since the 1980s. Yeah, no, no, since no, the 1960s. No, no. <laughs> or the 50s. Right. So we're talking about you know, what an artist with Mindy credentials, let's bear in mind. Is Tiffany um, not playing tonight? Tiffany is playing at the Hug and Pint around the corner tonight. That's when we've recorded this. Yeah. What else do we have? Much.com. Ask the question, is Carly Rae Jepsen the most underrated pop star in the world? No. <laughs> uh, this is some other press. Uh, this album contains some of the finest pop vocal performances of the year. Uh, it plainly doesn't. You can parse her personality between the lines, which I would disagree. I would say you could probably rummage through like 60 plus layers of committee written stuff and sort of come out with a rough impression of what you play over a Disney show uh, and this resides somewhere between the pop and indie worlds and in what fucking universe is Carly Rae Jepsen even close to indie so I think like that first Emotion album was just like there was no fucking way David is going to persevere with this I've got um, a feeling this record is actually quite quietly influential with some uh, artists who have changed their sound a little bit that definitely Paramore Boy Problems Paramore. basically since that like that, that really big Paramore singer from After Laughter was, was yeah. it's a really big one I called. can't remember but it's, it's basically the exact same fucking song yeah it's a it's a template but see that's 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 kind of the point I'm trying to get as well what I think's interesting is nobody can really tell where that template's come from now Carly they put 80s in a blender with Max Martin basically no no well Carly Jepsen was obviously kicking off she, she had this like fluke song then they kind of like made a bunch of songs that sounded like it for that album then for her next album they were like we want a hit album so we'll go for something more earnest and presumably they based that on somebody or or a mixture of different people they had like right we'll have the such and such of Ellie Gould and we'll have the such and such of Katy Perry we'll have the such and such of Taylor Swift but then you have that thing where if one of those takes off then the other artists start imitating that and then they kind of work backwards and you get into this position in music now because it's so driven, like because it's so responsive immediately to what's selling and because what's selling dictates what's been recorded and not just what's been recorded, what's been picked from, say, 200 songs to make an album. You've got a position where the people who are copying are then being copied by the people they copied. So 
Katy Perry will perhaps say, wow, that song by Carly Rae Jepsen did really well. We should kind of do something that follows that template, even though she probably copied Katy, Katy Perry's template to start with. Then you've got other artists picking up on that. Then your artists will come through. Then you'll have an indie artist will pick up on that. Or somebody like Haim, they'll say, oh, you should do something more like that. And then somebody else will say, oh, but that thing Haim did. So there's this weird photocopying of photocopies of photocopies and what's happening is there's a really stunted growth to pop because so few new sounds are being innovated and there definitely are still new sounds it's not like it it's never an absolute thing it's it's there always are things poking through and they'll immediately be imitated as well but it's become a mulch it's become a mulch of not only everything sounding very similar but not even really being able to tell who started that mulch in the first place well our thoughts on that I've read a few times when I'm, I'm quite fascinated by Max Martin and the whole this whole sort of cavalcade well, of, I, of imitators. I told you I read that book, Song yeah. Machine, which and is like, all about that. Cavalcade. Yeah, totally. And one of the things is like he seemed to have set the blueprint for how pop would be written in the mid to late nineties, right? So I think that him and his Swedish compatriots are like the ones that are responsible for creating the sound. Which the the, Swedish mafia. Yeah, and then just not only are they responsible for creating the sound, which kind of seems to come, like you say, kind of out of the ether. But then they're also responsible for perpetuating it and then updating it slightly the next year and so on and so forth. And then all the bigger producers are like, well, I want this, like you say, Katy Perry says that. And maybe she doesn't get a shell back or Max Martin or Stargate or whatever, but she gets like next new young guy from America who's got one year on that and going, wants to be a bit like that and does that. So I think that's where it comes from. But Ultimately, I think they started that and are perpetuating that. What also happens though is that Max Martin and Dr. Luke, when he was still in the scene, and Stargate and Shellback, they're all writing to a schedule and they're all writing to order. Yeah. First of all, they can run out of ideas. Secondly, they write to commissions. They get given the marketing remit before they write the music. So they're like, right, this is the girl next door girl. We can't have her singing umbrella or whatever. You know, it's you, you, you basically end up tailoring it to that. And so Max Martin and Shellback and that aren't innovating no, half not the at time. All. They're actually, but they've got the creative nows to actually create like the, the foundation for it, which is basically a factory, right? Well, somebody, like, like, at some point, some of these trends were set, but now even the trendsetters are copying the, the copies of the copies. That's My point is that they're kind of getting into a dead end where all the different writers are copying all the other different writers, and there's definitely innovation in there. Mm. And people like Nicki Minaj and stuff are like part of that kind of far more out there a branch of the writing although albeit when they get far out there it kind of bombs because when you're being led by numbers you're very rarely going to uncover any new territory because anytime you do try and uncover new territory such as Nicki Minaj in like one of her later records the sales don't reflect it and mm. suddenly everyone's like ah she's done now that's it and so you you retreat back to the centre I'm so not disagreeing with you I'm just saying like, like that's where I think it comes from so, like, so it's a worrying trend though as well it's like I mean I, I do like pop music. I don't like a lot of pop music, but I very much like good pop music. And the regularity of interest in pop music appearing is definitely, I would say, dwindling. Yeah, and it's everybody has that discussion every decade, right? No, but it's different now, man. You, you never used to be able to it write. It is different. And you look at the f- pure manufacturing method. I mean, you listen to Radio 1 in 1995 and you listen to Radio 1 right now. And well, obviously it's going to sound different because the different things do no, come it's, in. No, it's, it sounds different, but the way the songs were made are different as well. You know, in on Radio One in nineteen ninety five, you were you'd still have you know Brit pop bands, you'd have yeah. indie bands, 100% you'd have like blur. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, you'd have blurry. You'd have like even stuff like Catatonia and like Elastica were like hitting mainstream stuff. Whereas Radio One Goldie. now you used to get during, stuff like Goldie and yeah, Tricky exactly. and stuff like that. Yeah. During yeah, you're now that's what I call music. We'd always have you know your Prodigy and mm-hmm. you know your uh, stuff like that that were on track two. Whereas now there is more mainstream pop and it is more prevalent. And you look at that top 40, uh, you know, the top 40 now, and all it is is producers and singers doing exactly the same formula. Absolutely, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and and th- it's, I think- it's more... There's just more music, which means that there's more shit pop music. I think one of the reasons for that, though, is very much dependent on the technologies, right, and the infrastructure of the internet. That's what's very, very different from the 80s or the 90s or even the early 2000s, is that you can now kick out, you can analyse, quantise, get statistics in the sales of a song, get the demographics, get the geographical fucking correlation of sales, and you can kick out an identical song within days, if not weeks at the maximum, and have it on... The, not the shelves, but the digital shelves almost immediately. It's like it is a much more efficient way of doing it, but it's, and that's, it's a process which has existed, you know, since as far back as, as mm. it's been pop music, right? No, but the, the, the thing is, though, man, that's, that's not, you can't just like brush over how big a difference that is. The process of imitating a pop star would have taken six months to a year before to, to record, produce, market. Now it takes six weeks. That's what I'm saying. And it's efficiency what, now. Do you know what I mean? It's and things would have moved on in that time. You weren't able to constantly keep on the, the zeitgeist as much as you are now, which is why, they, like Dave says, 20 years ago, the Now collections were so much more varied because it was so much harder to keep track of like what was selling. Now we are like right at the edge all the time of like the statistical feedback of what is selling and everything has to copy that and it's just become so stunted and so inward and for me this is like uh, the epitome of that oh well see this is kind of the antithesis of that because it is a pop record that although we can talk about it aiming for that it didn't succeed because it didn't tick all those boxes it wasn't as repetitive it didn't have those fucking straight into your meat hook like there's something more subtle about this record, and that's why it wasn't successful. Are we talking about side B? Are we talking about this record? About both. Well, we're talking about because I really don't think that's true about emotion generally. Side B, I'll give you is slightly, slightly edgier, but the first one is absolutely by the numbers, and it just simply was a flop. I don't think there's any other way to dress it up. Mm. It well, seems to let, me like it may be quite a difficult record to market. I mean, I like it. Well, because it's got nothing original or defining yeah, about it whatsoever. I, mean, I came into this I came into this episode having only heard Call Me Maybe and I didn't do any research on Carly Rae Jepsen. I just listened to this record because I, I wanted to be as completely removed as possible from it so I could be as objective as I could be. And because I understand, understand like how incestuous the entire fucking process of creating pop music is. And, and like David said, I, I had that critical acclaim and I was like, well, I don't really want that be sucked in by that because clearly people have right that's how she's went from massive pop star to kind of strange indie darling to being talked about by three guys who are too old to really be talking about this record uh, and Thanks, you're the same age as her I know exactly she's looking <laughs> too old to make a record I think that's a point we've just well <laughs> went over in the past hour <laughs> um, and it just I was expecting to like it to be honest because I wanted to like it but I just didn't it was just it's just there. Can we can we quick can we look at the tracks on side B and actually give them a wee bit of like a breakdown rather than just being Okay, so first time, track one. Okay, 
It's very 80s. It's very it's 80s. It's got that, like, wet, got that Whitney sample in it. Bubblegum synth that comes up. It's got a lot of Whitney on uh, this record. Stop start vocals. I, I think it's yeah. It's got Whitney. It's got like classic mid 80s Madonna as well. Yeah, I was gonna say it had a kind of like a kind of second division Madonna vibe to it. I feel. Uh, track two, higher. Higher, I thought is one of the best ones. Yeah, it's kind of a powerful more like that sort of darker synth wave sort of vibe. It's got like a minor key, yeah, it's a little bit more LaRue. Yeah. It's got the falsetto in it, which was a LaRue thing, and it works reasonably well. Chorus is alright, it's a bit predictable, but I it's kind of the chorus super annoying. Well <laughs> okay. I thought and I thought the ending was pretty strong. terms of overall I mean don't get me wrong I think it's I think it's alright this is one of the two songs that I think are alright track three the one uh, it's got I kind of Alright baseline That could have been Pretty interesting But then they just Abandon that And it just goes back To Topshop Can I just say something By the way We are uh-huh. talking about Side B In case people yeah, yeah. Are, not, are confused maybe going, Why are you talking About We've the album We've abandoned yeah. The first one Yeah why, But they might be going Why are you talking About the album When you're talking About records Which songs Which aren't on the record So just uh, clarify that I, I don't know I think the one is good I think it's got like Four different hooks in it It's got a less 80s vibe I think the chorus Is really nice Fever. Subtle but catchy Fever. Uh, Fever She's got a full English accent In this one Why is that I like it though. <laughs> it's good. I can see for I can see I'm gonna disagree with both these, I guess. I can see why these songs were left off the record. I yeah, but can you see why we like them more? Yeah, I mean, because, because we're maybe, indie. Don't, don't, don't fucking look at me when you say things Come like on, that. You, man. Um, more. But they're le- that's why it's a pop album for people that aren't buying Ed Sheeran. You know, this is like this is a pop album for non-pop lovers. I can I can say that if these songs were on the record, that would have made it probably a bit more interesting. Yeah. But it's clear, like it's clear, whoever the executive producer mm. was of this album, and I think yeah. had definitely had a clear vision in their mind of what they wanted to be, and I can see why these songs were left off that. Yeah. And that's a de- I think that's a detriment to the more interesting songs, but I still don't feel any of the songs were that strong. I think. Uh, <laughs> Body language Body is probably just humming. Yeah, it's the weakest one on it's this. Pure, it's a pure Donna Summer vibe, that's why. A pure Donna Summer song. It's like a total teeny bopper one. It's dying. Uh, Cry. Cry's the other one that's pretty decent. Cry's fucking amazing. I love that song. Uh, it's got a decent pad thing at start 
It's got a pop beat, but it's it's not bad. Uh, I quite minor key. I quite like the pattern of the vocals and the verse. They were pretty interesting, and it's, it's got more falsetto and that kind of Larue vein, so that kind of appealed to me, and I think it works better. But again, it's because it was closer to Larue. I store. Seriously, this is fucking ridiculous. I don't know why. Endlessly editing. This is a song about going to the store. Yeah, endlessly editing, as I said. I mean, uh, and then roses is good. Has this, this is a this is like I mean I I actually couldn't write any more after this point. Roses is so bad. <laughs> Vocal on this song is the most obviously auto-tuned vocal on its entire record. That's my point. There is a lot of vocal auto-tune, yeah, and it's not all. O- that's the most obviously. It's auto-tune not always one. super obvious, yeah. but some of it, it really yeah. is. I thought that was an effect. I mean, you know, it's like an effect for some pop artists. Oh, I mean, have, the like, things if you yeah. share and you use it as auto-tune, like yeah. an instrument, that's different. Or if you're like Polisa and you use it as an instrument, that's fine. But if you're just using auto-tune because you're shit at singing. And because your producer decided he didn't like the melody you did, so he's going to change it, then that's completely different. That's exactly what happens. Like yeah. they, they do, I just sing something, and we'll decide the melody after the fact. Well, I've just seen that Carly Rae Jepsen has been announced for the Primavera lineup, so that kind much. of fits because Primavera books all kinds of ironic pop shit these days. Mm-hmm. Now that it's overgrown and uh, bloated and dire, she's uh, between Carcass and. Uh, Charlie XCX I'm so. sure oh, I mean, Charlie XCX is another joke but I'm sure loads of people will be steaming and think it's really clever to applaud this kind of crap do you think uh, that this I'll probably record... go because I will <laughs> you'll be winning it, it man, yeah. totally. do you think that this record really needs to exist no I don't think I just I really to wanted exist. to talk about it and I like as a pop record for people that aren't necessarily into you know pop all the time it's way better than any album by like any of the mainstream pop artists. It's way better than it's better than Taylor. She's it's better than Taylor Swift, better than Katy Perry's latest stuff. It's better than fucking Lady Gaga. It's mainstream bubblegum pop, but sometimes that's just what you need. And this is as good as it gets for me. I, uh, and I understand yeah. that you can hate the whole idea of mainstream bubblegum pop, but the fact is that sometimes it's good, and this is it being good. I, I enjoy your noble intention in bringing this to us. Um, I did not enjoy the record that great deal. That's fine. Um, yeah, that's fine. I wasn't annoyed by it though. I mean, there, there, are, def- <laughs> there are definitely like. I was just a wee bit annoyed by it. As, as somebody that, that Do you know- has had the radio on and work, all, all, like not through my own choice, a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pop out there that annoys the fucking. Yeah, that's exactly it. There's so much pop out there that grates the fuck out of me. This does not. I'm like, I just can't deal with it. There's three or four Katy Perry songs I think are substantially better than anything Carly. Uh, There's there's, there's, there's at least there's at least three or four Lady Gaga songs which are like, in my opinion, infinitely superior to anything this artist's ever done. Yeah, but there's also a whole lot of fucking indie shit out there that is worse than this and less interesting. That is. And cool, is there? <coughs> Paramore. <coughs> no, like even indier than that. There's You're like right there, there's <laughs> there's so much fucking pitchforky indie playing mono stuff that happens uh, right uh, now. Absolutely, and it's so bland. So, and this at least is 
unpretentious and just like, fucking there's, pop. There is no, but and they are just pop, but can't sing and don't have the hooks. So they turn the fuzz up on their guitar and they try and pretend that's cool. But they're just all they're doing is writing pop songs, but badly. But I, I like I am not gonna fucking take a bullet either for like the 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 fucking deluge of indie landfill that is like all over the place right now as people push their fucking glasses up their nose and try and pretend that they're in on something good. It's fucking dire. But they didn't have tens of millions or 10 million bucks. Yeah, but I don't care how much money spent on it. I do care. It's a pop album. It didn't sell as many as it should have. Or it didn't sell as many as they hoped, but that's because they unintentionally made something less shit than it could have been. And it's... Good. So you're, I, I mean, it, it just it doesn't make any sense to decontextualize something to that extreme. I mean, you're you're like, no, but it's a pop record, so talking. it is. You can't slag the pop record off for trying to sell records. The fact is, the good thing about this is it's a pop record, and it is a good pop record. It's not. It is a good pop. That's record. the thing. So that's what we're going to have if, to disagree if, on. No, if this was so overwhelmingly good that I that I could get past the appalling genesis of the album itself and the money spent in it and the time spent in it and the manners womeners hours spent on it like if it was so good that I could get past that as I can for example with a couple of Katy Perry tunes with maybe the odd fucking even like Miley Cyrus tune where you're like fuck I hate this fucking bullshit but goddamn, that's actually a pretty good tune it doesn't even have that it's got two decent songs out of this girl's entire career given all the time and effort and money and energy that's been wasted on her and it's just it's almost more frustrating you talk about the insulting nature of those indie landfill bands getting pushed into prominence absolutely but the exact same process has happened with snark snark people at fucking noisy and pitchfork with carly ray jepson there's no real reason for why she got picked it could just as easily have been anybody else it's just that weird thing that happens when a rumour starts and people kind of pick up on it and nobody wants to tell the Emperor that he's got no clothes. This is the fucking Emperor with absolutely no clothes, this album. He's no. bothered it. This Emperor has uh, pink leg warmers on. And this Emperor's and... dressed like the girl next door and can he sing? <laughs> <laughs> to me, this is just... It's just there. Like, yeah. I, I don't really... I I'm, not as, right, I'm, well, I'm, not as, I'm not as deeply offended. <laughs> cool guys, right? As Chris is. Okay. So I say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's done. put it in. Well, Weaver, I, Weaver, I like the fact that you've picked this. Thanks. I can't, I can't back it. Sorry. Okay. Can we do the fucking black metal mixtape soon so I can <laughs> <laughs> I would gladly, give you something gladly listen to black metal to rinse my fucking head after this? Okay. Uh, what's what is next though? Next week, uh, because it's like our first year, we're gonna uh, honor our namesakes to some extent and do. An album by the band Helmet uh, What we're not going to do is tell you what album that's going to be We're going to leave you hanging a wee bit on that Because it seems like it should be obvious maybe But it'd be too easy Great Okay we'll go and vote um, It'll be interesting to see what people for say Side B by Carly Rae Jepsen Yeah for Side B by Carly Rae Jepsen which still... Emotion Side B, not just Side B Emotion yes, Side B on. That's true, yeah Anyway thank you for listening um, Right I'm getting the fuck out of here Thanks guys, <laughs> let's, let's go to Tiffany 